0: Hi guys, thanks for listening to Library Overload. This is Susie. And this is Tavia. Don't forget, as always, you can check out our blog. We'll list every single book we talk about in today's episode on libraryoverload.home.blog. You can also check us out on Instagram. We're Library Overload There. Guys, we missed you. We're back.
1: (laughs) Says that creepy little girl in Poltergeist. (laughs) I haven't seen Poltergeist. Oh, I I haven't either. But I just
0: oh, I know the dinosaur movie when we were kids, right? I don't know. There, we're back. Yeah, yeah, dinosaur movie. But then the oh no, that was there here. That's poltergeist.
1: Jesus. Well, get it I, together. Haven't,
0: I haven't gotten any less weird, guys.
1: No. And get <laughs> it together. I'm sorry. We have missed you all so much.
0: So, we so did. Much. We sure did. I have been 3,500 miles since I last spoke to you all.
1: I have been sitting on my couch. <laughs>
0: But we got a lot of reading done. We've got so much to talk about, guys. Yes. We've got some great stuff coming up. We just had a a board meeting about it. We had a board meeting, yes. It was very serious. We planned
1: our schedules. (laughs) But, yeah.
0: Happy August, everyone. In the worst year ever.
1: (laughs) It has been simultaneously the longest and shortest year on the planet. It's just been, like, so odd yeah it's kind of like so chris and i are going
0: through all the marvel movies in chronological order and it's kind of like that year after the snap it's or the five years after the snap Mm -hmm. it's like terrible but like weird it's like this nothing yeah that's that's what uh 2020 is Mm -hmm.
1: we did that not too long ago
0: (sighs) yeah i'm enjoying it we just finished infinity stone so Or Infinity War, I'm sorry. Um, And so we're about to watch Endgame tonight before
1: Shark Week starts. You're so weird. Speaking of Shark Week, you were in Maine when the the only recorded shark attack in history happened in the state of Maine.
0: I sure was. I was an hour away. And I was only in the ocean in Maine for a brief moment in time. Because when they tell you that it is very cold water, they're not joking. <laughs> um, I when they told me it was going to be cold water, I was like, "It's fine. Um, I take cold showers all the time." <laughs> um, and I got it, and y'all, it took my breath away. my <laughs> My muscles were sore because they were so like oh, wow constricted I don't it was oh my god it was so cold like all the cuss words like I had to get out and just like lay on the ground for a while because it was so cold that's
1: funny have you ever been to in Gatlinburg the Titanic Museum I
0: haven't but I guarantee you it was that cold it was—it's so
1: cool, but they have that display where you can put your hand, and they have the water that is mm-hmm. as cold as it was the night the Titanic sank, and it's frigid. Yeah, it's it was so uh, cold.
0: It was probably approximately that temperature. Yeah. Like when Chris, Chris, Chris is a big baby when it comes to cold water, and so I was stunned <laughs> that he got in. But Chris was like, "I understand how how Jack died. Now I sure I sure do." <laughs> I get it. <laughs> like I'm, I'm so glad you understand now. <laughs> That's hysterical. But yeah, within three weeks, Chris and I were in St. Augustine, Florida. And then up in uh, in Maine, we were very smart. We wore our masks. We didn't see other people. It was just... Um,
1: you quarantined small, in, in
0: betwixt. Yeah. It was just small um, get-togethers with family. Um, but. Yeah. Florida was my family reunion. We do this every year and we all were tested beforehand. We were all, nobody hugged. It was really weird, but we kept our distances. And then up in Maine, we had a friend proposing to his girlfriend and it was beautiful. And so we wanted to be there for that. Um, but yeah, we had a crazy July. I was able to read a whole bunch because we spent forever in a car this month. Um, I went to work. Yeah, you sure did. Look at you. Yeah, the one week that I was at work, Tavia was not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I had a little mini staycation thing. I took a week off just because we've been so busy that I just needed a break. Mm -hmm. But I went and visited my mom and my sister, my nephews, and my niece. And then stayed around the house and did some little projects that needed doing. Mostly just a break from the mental taxations of work. Mm -hmm. So. I read quite a bit during that time.
0: Very exciting. Cannot
1: wait to talk about all these books we've read. Yes, I'm very excited. Some interesting things have happened, too. So, um, we'll update you guys on those things later on. Some random happenings about. I know. um, You know. The weirdest
0: coincidences, I swear.
1: Yeah. So, we're trying to work out a few things to get some some stuff going for the podcast based on those. Um, So, we'll fill you in on those later. Yeah.
0: So what are we talking today?
1: Today we are doing nonfiction.
0: Susie's new favorite genre. I thought it was your always favorite. No, it didn't used to be. I used to never read nonfiction.
1: Isn't nonfiction the same as like true crime, though? I mean, isn't it? Anything? I used to not read true crime. True crime is new uh. to me.
0: Like, I just started reading true crime maybe two years ago. Huh? Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been making waves in the true crime world, but I'm still working through it.
1: Interesting. But yes, we evolve as readers over the, you know, over our lives. I was just talking to our friend Caitlin and my sister about this recently. Um, Both had asked if I was going to read Midnight Sun. Mm. I really am not sure because I am not the same reader. So I don't know if I would enjoy it the way I enjoyed the Twilight books when I read them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you know, when I read them, I was into that genre. I was into that style. Mm-hmm. And I think I have evolved as a reader where I'm I'm afraid if I read it at this point, I might find it childish. And I don't want that to be the case. And mm-hmm. that to like taint my memories. <laughs> so I don't know.
0: Yeah, I definitely went to the midnight premiere of... Whichever the last book is, I don't even remember yeah. now.
1: I went to to several of the midnight shows, and I went to the movies, all of the midnight movies, with my sister, and I really enjoyed, you know, that time. But I, I don't know now, as as the reader that I've developed into, if I would enjoy it as much. So I, yeah, I you know I I have not decided whether I will read it or not. Well, let us know. I'll keep you guys abreast of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well.
0: I will start with my first. Um, I read the Rural Diaries. Rural is a
1: terrible Rural! Word. <laughs> rural, rural. The rural. <laughs> it's even worse when our southern twang makes it. <laughs> rural.
0: Rural. The rural Diaries.
1: No, I don't think that's it either. <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna breeze through it. You ready? Do I'm it. ready. The rural diaries. What moving to mischief farm taught me about what really matters in life, love, and making dandelion wine. That's a hella long
1: title. It is I Lord. have one that may beat that though. Oh, all right.
0: Um, and this is by Hilary Burton Morgan. So if you were into Wentry Hill, you know Peyton. I loved her, she was yes. my favorite. So, this is Hillary all grown up. She has two kids now. She's been married for, uh, well, actually, she's been with the same person for years, but they and just guys, recently guess who got married. who she's with? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Like, oh <gasps> my God. Like this. The rock Winchester's star.
1: dad. I know. Like John
0: Winchester.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she married John. I was thinking more like Megan. Negan is scary I I never watched The Walking Dead because you know Chris made me watch the episode Where Negan killed them all And it was awful Spoilers It was
0: terrible
1: (laughs) Well everybody dies in The Walking Dead If you don't know that I don't know what to tell you I also remember seeing him on Grey's Anatomy
0: I forgot he was on Grey's Anatomy Well anyways this was really, really great. I ordered this book actually. So I follow, I follow Hillary on Instagram because I'm a nerd. And when COVID hit, you know, everyone was trying to support small businesses and things like that, as you always should. And she went, she had her book coming out within the next month or two. And her local bookstore was going to have her sign some books and do events and things like that. Well, they couldn't do that. So, she was just like, Well, guys, if you want a signed book, I'm not going to be traveling for this book this year. So, order it from my local bookstore. I'll sign every single book that I possibly can. And so I did. I ordered it in April and it is finally shipped. <laughs> that I is think exciting. So many people ordered this book from her That's local awesome, bookstore. Though. I'm so happy, but yeah. it took months to get here. But finally got here. So excited. It's beautiful. It's got great insight into Hillary and Jeff's marriage, their relationship, um, her, how they got into this farm kind of life. Cause it is crazy. Mm-hmm. They, they have a farm in upstate New York. I tried desperately to drive through, uh, Rhinebeck, New York, where we were on our way to Maine. It just did not happen. And I was devastated, but, um, I know boys are rude, um, but they do have this beautiful farm up there. They've got all sorts of animals. She talks about all of her different animals. She talks about what she grows there, mm-hmm. how they settled into this life, how she kind of made peace with the fact that she's making um, Hallmark movies now, which is kind mm-hmm. of when you're when you're a big actor, it's not really what you envision for yourself, I don't think. Yeah, but you want
1: the Academy Award role, right?
0: And she's just like, you know what? I get to make a few movies a few weeks out of the year, and then every other time I'm able to be at home with my kids, I'm able to be um, at home with my animals, I'm in the place that makes me feel very happy and safe, and that is all that matters at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. And it was beautiful. She's got this wonderful insight into life, and she's got some great recipes that she's got oh, in her book. Fun. So she actually has a recipe for dandelion wine, and I'm like, uh, sign me up. Like, so don't mind me if I'm making wine on my back porch one day. <laughs> Uh, that'll be fun. Although, you do have to get, like, a whole bunch of dandelions. Like, I was like, maybe, like, four should be enough. No. It's like a Four? You thought four? Tibia, I don't know how to make wine. Okay?
1: But I can tell it's, you like, it's not from four grapes.
0: <laughs> that is enough from you. <laughs> okay. Um, No, it's like a whole bucket of
1: dandelions. So I was like, crap. <laughs> so- <laughs> A foraging be- expedition.
0: I know. You so like, this is bucket. not going to be done in just a, a few minutes. <laughs> I'm gonna have to be outside in the heat, harvesting weeds. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if that happens. I will. I will let y'all know how that goes. But it was wonderful. I'm so glad that I ordered it. So I have this pretty signed copy. It's got pictures in there. She talks about her fertility issues with having her second child her daughter whose name is George which is awesome I love boys names for girls love it but yeah it was beautiful it was wonderful it talks um kind of more than I thought she would about her relationship with Jeff and kind of how when they first had so they got together and were like this is it and so they were immediately trying to have a baby like Literally, Mm -hmm. immediately, they just, they just knew. And that's, you know, wildly romantic. And then they were talking about, oh, she was talking about how after having her son, Jeff had to go and make movies. And so she was stuck at home with this kid in this unfamiliar place. And it was just, they weren't really meshing well. And it was trying to figure out are we actually supposed to ge- be together was this just a fluke like were we just Aww. stupid it was it was wonderful I really really enjoyed it I ha- I do recommend it I loved it
1: awesome that's awesome that's exciting I really want to read that now
0: I will let you borrow it Yay. after I make my dandelion wine
1: so in a couple of years we'll see <laughs> Okay, well, the first one I'm going to talk about is an author I've read before, but I had never read this one. And so this is Hunger by Roxanne Gay, a memoir about her body. She cuts to your soul. Wow. She really, like, took me to church on several occasions. And this book is not, it's not your typical book about body image, and it's not going to be for everyone. I completely understand that. But it was powerful, and I really enjoyed it. For those of you that don't know, Roxanne Gay, she is 6'3", and when she wrote the book, she said she was currently at 570 pounds.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So I she's didn't know very, she was that
0: tall, either. Yes,
1: she's a big lady. Um, and she sets out in the first of the book and tells you, this is not a how-to-find-your-peace or a success story about my weight loss Or anything. This is literally her writing to try to come to terms with her her body and her life. And it's not like you know, read this book for fantastic tips on how to get skinny, because she Mm -hmm. doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, She struggles with it her whole life, and she's still struggling. Mm -hmm. But it was it was just brilliant. And it's not a secret. She mentions it in her other book that I read, Bad Feminist, and um, she's she's talked about it vocally. When she was 12, she was raped. And so she talks about life in a before and after sort of way. Mm -hmm. And she said after she was raped, she unknowingly made her body into a fortress so that it could not be hurt again the same Mm -hmm. way. And so that's when she started gaining her weight. And then she went through a lot of issues in her twenties. She actually had been accepted to Yale and went to Yale and then dropped out because she was having so many issues and she never told her parents what happened because she was thinking she would get in trouble or whatever. She didn't tell them. Uh, her parents didn't find out until she wrote bad feminist. And the New York times did an article on the fact that she was raped and her dad read the article and that's how oh. her dad found out. Yeah. You so would think
0: that you would warn them.
1: She Jesus. never felt comfortable talking to them. She didn't know how to navigate it. She, mm. you know, she is very vocal about the fact that she does not have everything figured out. Right. <laughs> but it is it is very powerful and she talks about just the the constant guilt as a woman because you are inherently born female understanding that your body image is tied into the way that people see you and she says this quote what does it say about our culture that the desire for weight loss is considered a default feature of womanhood Mm -hmm. so women are supposed to always be in the idea of wanting to lose weight Mm -hmm. no matter how thin you are right so you're always thinking I should be thinner or I should be this, or I should be that. And then if you get into this cycle of body image and you're like, Oh, well love yourself at any size. And then you feel guilty for not loving yourself. And then you feel guilty about not working out and making yourself better because that's what society thinks you should do. And it's just like a constant loop for women in this body image void. And she talks about that. And it's really, it's really powerful. It's really interesting. The way that she describes it. And she also talks about navigating the world in a body that wasn't built for the world. Mm-hmm. Like The world is not made currently for people who are obese. So as a bigger girl myself, I related to that. And being married to someone who is bigger, I related to that as well. Because, you know, there are lots of things that you can't do. And I, I feel like that was really interesting coming to terms with with this is the way my body is this is the way I made my body this is why I did it and how to navigate the world in said body and it's again Mm -hmm. it's not like you know gonna give you any sort of big epiphany about the world it's just you know Mm -hmm. her story and it's it it almost is like she's journal writing and she, then she put those books, those journal entries into a story. Like, she's getting things off of her chest, and then she's telling you about them. Yeah. And so it was just, it was really beautiful. It was just a really beautiful book. Um, and I think, especially bigger people, I think you should read it, just because the way she explains things, or the way she puts words together, are things that you would never have thought about before. Mm-hmm. And I, I just really appreciated that from her. Um, but, of course, I loved Bad Feminist, too. Which, you know, I have talked about it at length before, mm-hmm. so I won't get into it. But it was just it was just really good. I'm glad you
0: read it. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, in a totally opposite direction, um, I will be talking about Dear Girls, Intimate Tales, Untold Secrets, and Advice for Living Your Best Life by Allie Wong. Well, that's a big title, too. I know. All of the the words in these titles I swear but this is by Ali Wong if you if you haven't heard of her she is this teeny tiny super raunchy comedian like she's hilarious and just ridiculous she wrote uh, she wrote and starred in Netflix's awesome Uh, rom-com always be my maybe uh it's so good if you haven't watched it it really is fantastic um but she wrote she says that she wrote this for her two daughters to read once they're 21 not a (laughs) moment before um and it's just kind of different snippets of her life kind of um how she was raised as an um As a child of immigrants in America, um, she is Asian and she talks about meeting their father and how wonderful of a person she is. She talks about how you should always be proud of your roots and where you came from and it's okay to explore new and different things, but you always come home in the end. She did a semester abroad and she actually ended up in... Oh, crap. I think it was Taiwan, I believe. And she ended up spending time with her mother's side of the family. So her mother, her father was Chinese, and he was kind of domineering. And so when, they, when he met, married th- her mother, and they moved over to America, they only spoke English, and they always only talked about his heritage, which was Chinese, and nothing else and so she Hmm. really knew nothing of her mother's heritage so when she finally did end up in her mother's country of origin which god I'm so mad that I didn't write this down I want to say it's Taiwan but I may be wrong she finally got to see her mom be funny and sarcastic because you know when it's not your first language it's it's hard for you to make jokes and understand yeah. jokes and things like that, and so it was. It was a really beautiful moment in the book. She talks about how she met uh, her husband and how they kind of decided on they wanted their them wanting children, things like that. It was hilarious. It was raunchy. She wrote this big thing on how to know if the Asian restaurant that you have walked into is good. And so one of the things is good signs. Uh, the back of the menu features advertisements for local dentists, lawyers, and real estate agents. <laughs> it's bad if the customers are eating pho with a fork. Um, if they take American Express, they are bad. Um, <laughs> if, they, if all the employees wear open-toed shoes, they're good and does she
1: pontificate on these points and why they're good or bad no she doesn't (laughs) okay so you just you just you have to keep out uh for
0: if there are a bunch of old asian women there that's a very good sign like just hilarious (laughs) i (laughs) um and she does it for different ethnicities so the one i'm looking at is for vietnamese food and then there's one for thai there's one for chinese and then That's (laughs) that's so <laughs> They're all funny. very different and very specific. So funny. That is um, funny. But yeah, just the book was really, really funny. She, uh, the way she speaks is just—it it was reading like she was just talking to you, just like super matter of fact. It was just—it was really funny. I'd been wanting to read it for a while, and I was bored. I was in the car, and so I just downloaded it real quick on my Kindle. It was—it was. It was it was really great. I'm glad that I read it. It kept me from falling asleep in the car because I hate sleeping in cars. So it was oh, it was great.
1: That's awesome. Yes. I did not read any funny books for this episode. All of mine are depressing. That's so funny. Um, <laughs>
0: I read mostly either Chicklet or like behind-the-scenes or memoir kind of stuff. Like, I only read lighthearted
1: things. Well, that's cool. I did not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So excited to hear what you have next for us.
1: Okay, so next I'm going to talk about The Five, The Untold Lives of the Women Killed by Jack the Ripper. That's by Hallie Rubenhold. I cannot believe that you read this. It's on Kindle Unlimited for free right now. Oh Yes, and it's my a next read. read, so I think everyone should check it out. But basically, she does a deep dive into the history of each of these women. I didn't know that people knew much about these women. It's not widely known because the narrative at the time was that they were all prostitutes. Right. And that served the purpose for what they wanted to achieve at the time. But they weren't actually all prostitutes at all. Only one of them was an active prostitute at the time. And only one other one had ever engaged in the act. Wow. Um, but hadn't done it in many, many moons. But they were all except the last one were in their 40s. And the story uh, talks about how where they were born, what kind of educations, or if they had any, their lives. And the choices by all parties involved that led them to be in Whitechapel at the time where, you know, they got killed. That's and fascinating. So fascinating. Like, she has done so much research on these people's lives. in in the 1840s to 60s to 80s, like, 1880s, it's really hard to find these documents. And the right. fact that they, you know, exist and that she's gone and she's researched and... She she will tell you she says she's filled in a little bit of the narratives here and there she's like I don't know if this is what they were thinking but it could have been or you know and so it's it's about the fact that they were several of them were mothers they were wives and all of these things conspired against them to lead them to poverty and to be in Whitechapel at the time. And it's it's really kind of sad to watch the dissolution of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, really fascinating. look into England in the 1880s, into poverty at the time, into class mm-hmm. um, separations at the time, and it's... She tries to make sure that you know that these were real people, not just, you know, scum of the earth things. And we're not celebrating the fact that this guy killed them. We're mourning the fact that they were real people, that they had real lives, and digging deeper into knowing that they weren't just prostitutes that fit the narrative that the police wanted at the time. Like, basically, Mm -hmm. the only investigation into their deaths at the time was an inquest where it's it's basically a series of interviews with witnesses and the family members. There was basically nothing else done. Hmm. And a lot of the records for that time were also um, destroyed. So some of the, some of the stuff we don't know any anything about their investigation into, but clearly they didn't look that hard to, to try to figure out what happened. And so you can really see the, the, Disconnect between the rich and the poor, and, and how the series of events and choices that you make as a person, or that they made, led them to where they were. And it was just really, really fascinating.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: did you tell Caitlin that you read this? I did not.
0: I was going to surprise
1: her with letting her listen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> She's probably going to text you, be like, "Tell me everything."
1: She's read this one.
0: Oh, okay, that's <laughs> good. Because uh, I was going to say, this sounds like right up her alley.
1: Yes. Um, and and I, I actually, Daniel and I went back and watched the movie From Hell uh, with Johnny Depp, which is really good. Where, uh, it's, a, it's a Jack the Ripper story where Johnny Depp is in a, t- a detective. With, I didn't uh, know that. Heather Graham plays Mary Kelly, who's one of the victims. I and, didn't know that. Yeah, it's really good. But they create the narrative that they were all prostitutes and that... It was um, Jack the Ripper was someone connected to the royal family. And there was a scandal that needed to be covered up. And that's why they were all killed. And then he killed the witnesses and then stopped and disappeared and went away. Wow. Ian Holm, who plays Bilbo Baggins in The Lord of the Rings, he's in it. How funny. Yeah. And so is Hagrid. Hagrid's in it. Groupiest. Yes. But it was good. Uh, But it, it is, you know, they perpetuate that narrative Um, Because it's more entertaining. Sure. Uh, The women were were just women that were down on their luck. There were real women that, you know, were victims of their time. Like one woman, you couldn't get a divorce Mm -hmm. from your husband. um, Or you you couldn't leave him unless, uh, you couldn't request money for him unless you were showing that you were destitute. So she ended Mm -hmm. up having to go to the workhouse to try to leave her husband, who was abusive and cheating on her. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, through this series of events, she ends up in Whitechapel, and it's like the choices for women were so limited, and you can see what mm-hmm. happened. You can see how there was a lack of assistance, there was a lack of help. There, There's a lack of care back Yes, then. yes, a complete and utter lack of, of care and concern mm-hmm. for women in general, I think. Yeah. So, it was very fascinating
0: yeah um when i I just I couldn't believe that you read it because you're not really a true crime person, I'm but not, I think no. it was because more of it's more about the women and not the actual crime itself. So Correct. yeah, that sounds really interesting. I'm gonna have to check that out. yes,
1: and I did know, um I kept looking for my Jack the Ripper casebook, and then I thought I gave it to you. I let you borrow it. It's the the foldout casebook that's got copies of the letters and things like that. Do I have that? You should have it. I let you borrow it. It's about, you know. I'll have t- to look. I don't recall getting it at all. It's red and black. I think you were going to take pictures of the the documents that are tucked in it. Hmm. I'll have to look. <laughs> but I wanted to look back yeah. at those. But that movie, From Hell, they recreate the scenes from photographs of the originals, which is really mm. interesting. And they that have dialogue in there that's verbatim from interviews and stuff. That's interesting. Yeah. all around a fascinating subject and it's a time it's set in the 1880s which i enjoy Mm -hmm. Uh, so i I thought that was just fascinating in general
0: sounds it yes
1: all right my last but
0: favorite book that i have for y'all today is hamilton the revolution alexander hamilton i love it so much i can't stop listening and watching like no lie i've probably watched it 12 times oh I, I can't
1: tell you how many times mm-hmm. I've watched it it's and been then, on a non-stop constant loop
0: yeah and then constantly listening to it Chris
1: will come home and be like again mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, yes. Yeah, um, it's that good it's so good I watch um, all these behind the scenes things yes I and have this Pinterest board set
0: up. <laughs> I love it um, and so this book is kind of a deep dive into how it got made, which is my favorite thing in the world, is knowing yes. how things happen. So uh, this is by Lynn manuel Miranda and Jerry, Jeremy McCarter. Uh, so this is, it's got several chapters and talking about how Lynn manuel of course, came up with the idea, how it talks about his now infamous uh, poetry slam at the White House in, what was it, like, 2009 I think, mm-hmm, I think where so, he yeah. first brought up this idea of Alexander Hamilton being a rapper and and people laughing at him but mm-hmm. look at him now um, yeah. and it talks about how um, how Leslie Odom Jr. got in how uh, Pippa got in like all of how he met every single person that was in the original cast and then of course my favorite part was it had the lyrics of every single song and he had little notations of what he was thinking when he wrote this line, where he got this line from. He took a lot from old school rappers. He's got some, he's, he took, what's the word? I was doing so well this whole episode. I have not needed help with words.
1: Doing well. You can do it. I believe in you. <sighs> so Inspiration. <laughs>
0: he took inspiration from uh, Notorious B.I.G. He's got inspiration from ja Rule and Ashanti. So, okay, in the song "Helpless," at the very, very end, when uh, he's saying, "I don't have a dollar to my name," and, mm-hmm. he, and then at the very end of his little sim, he's like, "As long as
1: I'm alive, Eliza." <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, "His gravel I am being." He's
0: I took that explicitly from Ja Rule just to make Pippa laugh That's in that funny. moment. And so awesome. he just did it the whole time. He did it as a joke in rehearsal and kept it. That's um, awesome. And then, uh, like, there were some beautiful moments, uh, him talking about uh, his wife and his love for her that he took, that he kind of inserted into a song Um when Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson's coming home, that song, when Madison's like, where have you been? He's like, uh, France. He David had forgotten his line. And so he was just like, uh, France. And they kept it because it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was just beautiful insight into it. There's some information from the author, Ron Chernow. Is that how you say his last mm-hmm. name? insight into him finding out that Lin-Manuel wanted to make this into what it is today and his thoughts on it and Mm -hmm. it's just it's it was wonderful Mm -hmm. I'm so happy (laughs) I just want to read all of the Hamilton things yes
1: I have purchased Ron Chernow's Hamilton biography and Hamilton is telling me his story Uh, It is is a lengthy process, him telling me his story. And it's a little slow going, but it is completely fascinating. But it it it... is an 800-page book. Sure. I am taking it slow. uh,
0: Nothing less than 800 pages for Alexander Hamilton.
1: The man is a legend. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you guys about it, but I want to finish it first. But he's incredible. Like, as a person, he was completely incredible. And I... They're right, history forgot him. You know. Yeah. The his his people made sure, his enemies made sure that, mm. you know, his narrative got changed. Yeah. <laughs> and his well. wife fought real hard for it and it's just fascinating. God, Eliza, I want a book about the Skylar sisters is what I want. Mm.
0: Um, I want yeah, to. Yeah, know... there's
1: one anecdote with um, where the British come to the Skylar mansion and everybody and goes upstairs Peggy. to hide. Yeah, and Peggy goes down and gets the baby. I they know. left the baby downstairs and she runs down there and gets her and yeah. like stares down the officers and yeah. lies about where their dad is and yeah. Like these yeah. women were great. And you know, that wasn't just the three of them. There were more of them. There were more. And actually Philip Schuyler did
0: have sons, but Lynn manuel was like, it's far more interesting that he didn't. Yeah. Also Angelica was married before meeting mm-hmm. Hamilton. Mm-hmm. But again, it was far more interesting. Yes. And so I am intrigued to see, but like other than that, like there Eliza and Hamilton had multiple children. I think they ended up having seven.
1: And they um, had eight in total.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. But yeah, there weren't like a lot of inaccuracies in the show. He took some leeway, which is normal, but I'm loving like finding out what actually happened and mm-hmm. what actually was
1: real. So oh sorry. I'm enjoying the fact that you're diving into history. And I think Lynn lin Manuel is enjoying that as well. Like he hosts oh, yeah. the raps where that he encourages people to rap about history. And that's Hand pretty for cool. him,
0: yeah. No, this is the only way you can get me into history is to make it a musical. Like that's yeah,
1: that's what and just the do, complete cultural brilliance of having America then told by America now. It's beautiful. It, it's just so powerful. The, and the
0: cabinet rap battles—they're
1: my I, fave.
0: I cannot like, and then Thomas Jefferson. I
1: like just. I wasn't head prepared to head for how much time. I was. I was. Going to love his sp- spunk and his... His sassy
0: britches. I know. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. He, it's just... The whole thing is just
0: brilliant. It and is. what I love the most about it is... That when Lynn was working on it and kind of... Um, workshopping it. And the original cast was all together and working on it. He specifically... Tatered some songs to those voices mm-hmm. um, so Lawrence has a gorgeous um, solo and it's because the actor which I can't remember his Anthony name. Anthony Ramos. Thank, thank you because his voice is is beautiful and he
1: didn't get to showcase it as much. And he just released an album and so did Leslie Odom Jr. They just both released albums um, oh in the last week so you guys should check those out.
0: Oh my god. I'm gonna have to do that immediately. So that's very exciting. It's fantastic.
1: And I, I don't know if you know, but Anthony Ramos is engaged to Jasmine Cephas Jones.
0: Yes, I did know that. Oh. Um, and then last thing I'll say um, is in kind of the final moments of the show, um, Burr says, um, "I wish I had known that the world was wide enough for both Hamilton and me." And those are actual words written by Burr. After reading a book, he literally, he was writing a letter to someone saying, I wish if I had only read this book previously, I would have known that the world was wide, ab- wide enough for both Hamilton and me. And it makes me sob. Like, insane. it's just, ugh. if only yeah. everybody knew that the world is wide enough for everyone to do well,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the world would be a better place
1: yeah it's fascinating the whole thing is fascinating they're fascinating individuals and he presents them in a way that you know that they're flawed they're real people they're not oh yeah and and and
0: alexander hamilton was not a good person he made very bad decisions yes and he and and so it's not like he's saying that Alexander Hamilton is someone you should look up to and, mm-hmm. um, and is this perfect, perfect person. No, like everyone in that show is flawed and you know it. Except, except Eliza. maybe Eliza. <laughs> um, Eliza's my girl. Like, don't you mess with Eliza. But, yeah, it's just they're flawed and you know mm-hmm. it. But they're still good. Yeah. Like, they still have
1: good. I was thinking to myself the other day, self Mm-hmm. I wonder what it's like to enjoy something and not become obsessed with it.
0: Because I that don't is know not how that feels it.
1: either. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't know how that feels. That's not Mm-mm. something that I'm capable of doing. If I yep. if I love it, I am all in. It is like,
0: consuming.
1: <laughs> consuming. Yes. This is why we're
0: friends. Yeah. Tavia and I spent about an hour the other night just texting each other, Alexander Memes.
1: Did. And my, our friend Caitlin, she was upset the other day um, and stressing, and I was just sending her King George memes um, yeah. and, and different Hamilton memes. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know, Jonathan Groff only has nine minutes of stage time. He in worked it through. It's just, it's brilliant. But yeah, we could probably spend an entire episode talking oh, about God. Hamilton, guys.
0: So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I knew as soon as I read it that I was just going to spend yes. an hour talking about it. So I tried really
1: hard to not. I can't wait to borrow that from you and, and read it. Uh, yes. It's, I'm going to try to find it all in the, the stories and everything. And it's just oh, so good. He's yes. just
0: such a cute little poopy dog. I know. I He's know. So it's
1: precious. precious.
0: Okay. And Lynn yeah. Lin- Manuel is wonderful too. I love him as well.
1: Oh, that's who I was talking about.
0: Oh, I thought you were saying Alexander is a cute little precious puppy dog, which he is, but also Lynn Manuel. Yes. 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 <laughs>
1: um, One of my favorite memes is the one where it's Lynn Manuel meeting Obama and it says the leader of our nation meeting President Obama. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, this is true. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, I am going to thoroughly depress us again. Oh, boo. I know. This one is really rough, but in a really good way. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that's, I don't know. I enjoyed it very much. And this is called Before and After, The Incredible Real-Life Stories of Orphans Who Survived the Tennessee Children's Home Society. Mm. Now, that's a title. That's a title. And this is by Judy Christie, Christie, no, Judy Christie, and Lisa Wingate. <clears throat> and this came about because Lisa Wingate found out about this scandal of the Memphis, Tennessee Children's Home Society and wrote a fiction book, the book Before We Were Yours, which yes. is very popular. Well, this book came about because as she was doing press for that book, a lot of the adoptees came out and started wanting to tell their stories to her. She's like, you wrote about this fictional thing, but this is my story. This is how it happened. Okay. And if you haven't read before we were yours in the twenties, thirties, forties, roughly in Memphis, there was this woman named Georgia Tan and she ran an orphanage, the Tennessee children's home society. And it was basically Her stealing and selling children. Mm. Uh, They would steal them from hospitals. If um, there was like an unwed mother, they would let the mom like go to sleep and then they would snatch the baby and tell the mom that the baby died or something. Mm. Or if there was this one who was the pregnant woman was in a boarding house and she was unwed. And so the boarding house um, owner took the baby away from her with no repercussions whatsoever because unwed mothers at the time could not be fit to, you know, raise children. And then it was also during the depression and some of the poorer people were selling their children to her. Mm -hmm. And so it's about the scandal of that, that kind of broke in the 1990s when Tennessee's adoption records were unsealed. And all of this stuff kind of came to light Mm -hmm. about what was going on. And it's chapters about the orphanage, but mostly every chapter is a different adoptee's story. It's the story of how they came to be in the orphanage, their parents, the story of their adoption, their adopted parents, and whether they went back and found their records or not. And the emotional range that you feel as an adoptee okay. Um, you know and a lot of them their their lives are better or they were better than they would have been but does that make it okay um right. you know and this this lady georgia she was profiting one like 100 percent. she was living in a mansion driving a cadillac all of the checks were made out directly to her she had brochures with pictures of babies and like advertisements and a return policy, um, and she was in with all of the politicians in Memphis, so there was no repercussions. Like she was in with the mayor, um, and she was in with the hospital staff. So when you know unwed mothers came, and, and that's they would disgusting. just snatch the babies up and take them and and sell them to somebody else, and it was just completely insane I mean it's I was talking to my mom about it I didn't realize that things like this happened but this is actually not an uncommon thing that happened back in that time um apparently and it's just how do you as a a person navigate the world knowing that this was your story you know um And a lot of the survivors she's talking to, I think this is in 2017, um, they're in their 70s and 80s, you know, at this point. Because they were born in the 40s. Right. right. The the 30s and the 40s. And it's just, you know, they've lived their whole lives. Or like this one lady um, found out that she had three living sisters when she was in her 60s Mm. and got to reconnect with them. And, and found them and, you know, it's about, even though I didn't have my whole life with them, I got to experience what life they had left. We got to reconnect and mm-hmm. just, it was just brilliant. It was just really, really good. It's 100% sad um, <laughs> that, that this happened, but a lot of the, the adoptees have uplifting, redemptive type stories Of, you know, their lives now and how they navigate the world with their children. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just, it was beautiful. It was powerful. It was insightful. And it it was just really, it was really good. But I want to go back and read Before We Were Yours now. I haven't read it yet. But it is wildly popular. I see it everywhere. Uh, Yeah, it is everywhere. So, it was, and, and this is a book that you actually gave me an advanced copy of this book. And I never got around to it. Um, <laughs> You're so no welcome. Longer, yeah, no longer is an advanced <laughs> copy. Since it technically came out in October 2019. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but it was, it was so, so, so good. All oh. of my books were sad, but good. Yeah, that's a whole bunch of depressing stuff. Yeah, for me, which is, it was odd. I don't usually set out to read depressing stuff like that, but was good.
0: Well, I am glad that you, you enjoyed your depressing stuff. Mm
1: -hmm. I sometimes just need to
0: read those kind of stuff.
1: No, I I agree.
0: Every once in a while, I'll do a a dive into stuff, but then I can only do a couple of sad books and I'm like, okay, I need to, I need something funny.
1: Yeah, that's where I kind of am right now. That's why Hamilton's taking me a little bit longer to get through, I think, because I can only read like 100 pages or so at a time. Then I'm like, okay, I need to, I need some, some more. Yeah. Well, I
0: am very pleased with our, our nonfiction reads.
1: I am as well. And I am beyond delighted to be back recording. So we get to interact with you guys again. I know my mom was just asking me the other day, when are y'all coming back? I'm ready. I (laughs) missed. Hi, I, mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> my mom is the most amazing person on the planet. I just. no, Yeah. Her and my dad. They're, yeah. They're good peoples. Well, I just, I'm,
0: I made a new work friend. I'm training and met another book nerd. And so I, when she found out we had a podcast, she was like, tell me about it. What's the name? <laughs> Where's it? Where can I find this?
1: So hi, Emily. Hi, Emily. And yeah, I'm so happy to be back. Mm-hmm. I, I really time. do think that we needed the break um, just mm-hmm. to kind of decompress a little bit because we've been going pretty hardcore mm-hmm. since the beginning of the year. Sometimes recording week after week can get tedious and we we don't want that to be the case. Yeah,
0: we so. don't want to get to the point where we're dreading having to read stuff. Mm-hmm. So breaks are good for us and for y'all. I'm sure sometimes y'all can get sick of us too. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we uh, are I don't know. We're delightful. Here. We are delightful, but we are here with y'all until Christmas. So mm-hmm.
1: And we we're have ready. really good stuff that came out of our board meeting.
0: <laughs> yes. Our board meeting was very fruitful. So,
1: <laughs> yes, we're smashing it over here guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right guys, well I hope you guys are doing well. Talk to us on Instagram. Can't wait to hear from you guys.
1: Bye. Bye.